This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com. Welcome back to the Freedom Talks podcast. Today I have Diane Ping with us. She's a, a therapist at Freedom. She's coming up on 19 years with the company. She is one of our most well-respected therapists when it comes to osteoporosis and uh, tips on nutrition and things like that. And today we're going to talk about nutrition uh, and how it uh, deals with how you can change uh, your diet maybe to help with inflammation when it comes to diseases such as cardiovascular disease, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and cancer, um, and how uh, food relates to um, some of those diseases. Diane, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. I just want to start with a little bit of your background. Um, so like I said, you're coming up on 19 years with freedom. How did you come t- to learn about nutrition, and really apply that uh, to your practice? Certainly. Um, I had, um, my mother uh, was diagnosed with osteoporosis at an early age. So that was um, a, a concern to me, um, brought awareness of that condition. And I know her mother had osteoporosis as well. And um so that was, that was kind of a, a beginning of the osteoporosis interest. Uh, but I think, I think I started to realize that I really didn't know much about food in general or what a person should eat uh, when my, uh, my firstborn had a milk allergy and, I, uh, and was undiagnosed uh, when he was young. So there was definite struggle, and and I've as a mother, but as a new mother, I was driven because I knew there was something wrong uh, that was not. I knew there was something wrong, plain and simple, um, and I wanted to do everything I could. So I just started reading, and um, and and I nearly. Nearly had it, uh, but, but was so thankful when he did become diagnosed. And that was the process of starting to learn about sensitivities, um, foods that could cause sickness in someone, foods that could cause inflammation in someone. Um, now, of course, these are allergies, uh, but it also was the beginning of the path. When people talk about nutrition in terms of physical therapy, uh, it's not necessarily something that's taught in PT school from what I understand. And it's, I think technically, uh, a lot of practitioners would say out of the scope of practice for a PT. So when you kind of had this interest and this kind of sparked your interest, um, what, how did you go about uh, finding um, the right places to look for information, 
Was it just online research? Did you do any continuing education courses, anything like that? Think, um, yes. Um, I think almost yes to all of those questions. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll expand. Um, initially, it was my own exploration um, and, and what I was learning about uh, substitutions and different ways of cooking, Sure. basically. Foods that um, somebody couldn't have, but if they couldn't have, well, this will work as a as an option. Um, also, it interested me because it um, you could see you could see someone change just from the difference of what they were eating, and so I started to change what I was eating too. Okay. And so I had my own experience. I had my own. Uh, revelations, if you will, and um, and that was very eye-opening, um, and encouraging, and empowering all at the same time. And when you're in a position of difficulty, knowing that you have a sick a child who is sickly, um, experiencing a little empowerment is a really powerful thing. So. Uh, and and welcoming and welcoming. So when I see patients come in um, that have cancer, that have osteoporosis, um, they've talked to other healthcare pro- professionals. Um, a lot of them have said that they have not heard what I've had to tell them, and and they feel grateful or or happy. And it's that sense of empowerment that there's something that they can do. And again, everybody is different. So, but at least it's a starting place. It's a starting place for people to enjoy. Not everybody is in a acute healing phase. Mm-hmm. What if you have somebody in that situation? It's good to know what can promote their healing. I'm at least happy to offer ideas if people are interested. Sure. I, you know, that's the whole piece. Some Some people won't won't want that, but some people really do welcome that, and they want to do everything they possibly can, they'll say. And and that's just, you know, an, an easy um, segue to say, well, if this does cause this, so you might want to minimize that, or you might want to increase this, and and it just gives some ideas. So that's, I, that's a, I think that's a really good, um, that's a really good place to start with your patients because um, it makes sense that during physical therapy, a lot you're doing everything you can to promote healing. So it makes sense that um, nutrition would play a big part of that as it plays a big part in everybody's daily life in terms of if you want to spark some kind of change. Um, a lot of it has to do with what foods you're putting in your body and how healthy your body is and how you're going to feel from how you're going to feel depending on what goes in your body, correct? Yes, yes. Um, you had you had asked about lectures that I'd seen or con- continuing education that I'd been to or something along those lines, and and I think um, well, one of the one of the first things that really perked me, it really opened my eyes, was a talk. It was just a, a talk, but from a nutritionist, and. Um, they said that 
we eliminate um, through our bowels about 8 to 12% of what we eat. Okay. Well, through my whole life, I've heard you are what you eat, right? It's such a cliche almost. It just, I've heard it so many times that it didn't have any meaning to me. It held nothing. But for some weird reason, the negative image of that statement, yeah. which, which is what, um, which is what that eight to twelve percent was, I, that really got my attention. That really helped me to realize, oh my gosh, ninety percent of what I take in is going to either become me. I will assimilate that into my tissue, into my body organs. Or I'll burn it. That's a, I mean, that's, I, that's a really good representation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost tangible, right? Yes. I mean, you can almost touch that. It's so real. At least that's how it was for me. So that definitely made me stand up and think, huh, how have I been eating? And, it, and I really felt like a child at that point. I thought, <laughs> I don't want to walk around and be a big Twinkie. You yes. know, not that I ate Twinkies, but, but that, was, that was my feeling. I, I, don't want to, I don't want my body to be that. I have greater purpose for my body. And, and, so, um, and then, too, with the health of my child and so forth, I started to be more aware about meal planning and shopping and um, healthier foods versus less healthier foods, foods that were easier to digest versus foods that were harder on your body or your metabolism, foods that might make a certain amount of the population sicker or, yeah. or apt to be sick, um, um, put them at a disadvantage, so to speak. So... so um, I want to dive in to inflammation in general. So you had talked about how some foods are going to make you feel better. You are what you eat. Um, your own, you know, you're you're absorbing ninety percent of whatever you put into your body. So in regards to inflammation and healing, uh, like you had said before, um, how is food directly impacting? the healing process, um, or how might it impact um, you feeling better if you are dealing with one of those major inflammatory diseases like cardiovascular disease or arthritis or some cancers? Inflammation, there's, there's different levels of inflammation, right? We have cellular inflammation, and, and again, I... This, I don't have a PhD in this area, but sure. from the lectures that I have been to, whether they're endocrinology or uh, or PT, more PT-oriented inflammation, more localized tissue inflammation, um, those are all things that that we look at. I think the cellular piece is probably what is missed more, um, or at least not discussed in the PT world. Okay, but I think it's very important from. Um, a whole perspective it, yeah. it, or a general health perspective. So from an endocrinology, endocrinology uh, view, um, and endocrinology is how our hormones mm -hmm. relate and, and function, 
we have hormones moving throughout our body all the time, and each cell has a receptor for a given hormone. So um, a small change in a hormone can affect every cell in your body. Okay, so that's a pretty dramatic effect. Yes. Um, I mean, all we have to do is think about puberty, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. truth, truthfully, yeah. a little estrogen, a little testosterone can go a long way as far as making body changes. So, so there are foods that can affect how the hormones are attaching to the cells. And also inflammation, um, inflammatory chemicals. So from a local, well, inflammation on a cellular level can be caused by certain foods. Sure. Trans fats, huge, huge. Um, they've been banned in Europe, but they're rampant in the U.S., and they are uncontrolled. So trans fats are... Um, uh, kind of a, like a man-made fat you can think of. Yep. They're not natural. Um, and um, our body really doesn't know what to do with them. So we, we have, once we ingest it, it's, it's kind of like a gamble. The, your body just says, what the heck is this? And I'm not sure what to do with it. It tends to float around, okay? It's not absorbed well. And um, it creates, it will actually bind with sugar, so if you combine trans fat and sugar, which commonly is what ha has happened, yep. um, it's usually in baked goods, packaged baked goods, and those two elements will bind together and they will create like, a, I don't know, like a fog, you could say, around cells. And that fog will prevent, let's say, a vitamin D, a, a, a vitamin D molecule from saying, hey, there's my vitamin D receptor. I'm just going to go right up and attach into it. It doesn't see the vitamin D receptor, okay, because of yep. this fog. Or, or that, and you, it could be any, any hormone, but here I'm just using vitamin D as sure. an example, but it could be a progesterone molecule. It could be an estrogen molecule. It could be testosterone. So that Cellular inflammation is something that truly impairs your ability to um, have the the right endocrine uh, reactions happening that will really keep your body moving smoothly. Uh, thyroid, for example, is a very very common dysfunction um, in the U.S. right now, and and it's an isolated. Um, area, localized area of infection, of not infection, of inflammation. Okay. Um, so now that we might have a little bit of a clear picture about how foods might affect inflammation, um, we see a lot of patients that come in with osteoarthritis, obviously, you know, almost needing knee replacements oftentimes, um, you know, shoulders, hip, whatever it might be. Um, and then you have uh, your uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients who obviously that's an autoimmune disorder um, affecting their joints. Um, 
So we know that those patients obviously deal with inflammatory symptoms um, based on their conditions. So how can shifting their diets or how can they get rid of, if they start getting rid of trans fats, things like that, how does that lead to maybe them feeling better or maybe combating that inflammation that they're experiencing? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a book called um, The Vitamin D Cure. Okay. Okay. Um, this, of course, I read because I was interested in osteoporosis, right? Yep. So initially this was what triggered my interest. Um, fascinating book. Um, and it's come out in different... It's been revised. Um, but that, I think, was kind of the basis, too, that helped me to realize that it's not just... Um, it's not just one disease that it, that uh, poor diet can relate to. It can be multiple diseases. And these are the diseases that, as a country, we manage. Nobody gets cured of arthritis. Nobody sure. Do people, well, do people get cured of cancer? Mm, not really. It's really, you're, you may go into remission, but they ne- they, I don't think they really use the word cure. No. Um, and because, frankly, we all know that we all have cancer cells floating around in our bodies. Yes. It's just a man it's just a matter of can we control that? Can mm-hmm. our bodies fight off that cancer cell? Um, can can the white blood cell that's floating by see and identify that cancer cell and say, hey, you're not supposed to be here and then go over and kill it. Or is there cellular inflammation that's surrounding that cancer cell, protecting it, like, like a cloaking system? Okay, that oh. makes a lot. That that's a, for me at least, that's a really good visual. And then have that white blood cell that really wants to do the right thing, but then has no idea that that cancer cell is just sitting there, growing, right, yep. protected from that trans fat and sugar. Um, so, uh, this book really was great and, um, and I felt like it was like a user's guide. Anybody who lives in the Northern, Northern states, uh, and doesn't, and are, gets less UV rays than really we ought to, it, it really is like a, a guide, what I should be eating, what I should be, how I should be taking care of my body. And if you have children, oh my gosh, it's very <laughs> motivating, right? I mean, yeah. because... Well, maybe people don't realize this, but in, as far as osteoporosis goes, children, are the, that's when they gain all of their bone density, mm-hmm. is when they're when, like up to the age of 19. So healthy nutrition for children, that is what is going to make healthier adults. Yes. Which is really a problem right now, because right now our... our <coughs> Our younger generations. This is this is the first time that the younger generations are actually sicker than their parents. Yeah, I mean, there's an epidemic of obesity. Yes, um, of childhood obesity, um, which is its own risk factor now. Yep. So this this really truly is a a crisis, and um, and so the book was was very motivating and very informative. Um, just as Jen, I mean. This really isn't necessarily from the book, but in general, um, 
the average American will have three to four servings of fruit or vegetable a day. Really what we need is more six to eight. Okay. Okay. Women walk around and they have most, most American women or many American women have only maybe two-thirds of the potassium levels that they should have. Well, potassium is a mineral that's found in leafy greens and, and vegetables. So for fruits, coconut water yep. is, a, is a great source um, with relatively low calorie, uh, great for hydration. So there are some things, uh, you know, your muscles aren't going to work very well without potassium. And um, so people will just generally feel better eating eating more vegetables. Um, and also that will improve the ability of um, vitamin D function. Uh, vitamin D function, I think many North Americans don't realize, reduces the chances of cancer cell production by 50%. Wow. There are actually, I think, four different mechanisms that vitamin D will prevent cancer cell production just in cell reproduction or cell division. There's four different elements that is protective um, as the DNA and RNA are working together. So without vitamin D or lower levels of vitamin D, you really are putting yourself at risk. It's not just... um, uh, how do I say? Some people just say, oh, yeah, it was like the luck of the draw. Or, I mean, there is yeah. heredity involved. Don't get of me course. wrong. Yep. There is heredity involved, just like with osteoporosis, just like with cancer, just like with cardiovascular disease. The question is, I mean, I know with osteoporosis, there's 30 to 40% chance of you impacting it. Okay. Because it's diet and exercise that can help change. Well, with a healthier diet, right? And then that will only increase the results of exercise. You combine those two. So you're making significant changes in your health. So I have a question about osteoporosis. So and and the change that you're saying that um, by changing diet and exercise patterns that you might be able to have a very large impact on. And so you had mentioned um, you know, all the problems that we have with uh, childhood obesity and not having proper nutrition, maybe not making healthy adults. So if you maybe were one of those children whose parents didn't have the knowledge um, or maybe the ability to provide um, ideal diets for their children and maybe you've grown up and now maybe you're experiencing some symptoms of osteoporosis or you're at risk. Right. Um, I guess, what can you do now if you're in that position um, specifically with your diet? And then what are the recommendations for physical activity as well um, to kind of help offset those osteoporosis symptoms? Okay. Um, Vegetables. Vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. You need protein as well. Mm -hmm. But reducing grains. Um, uh, The vitamin D book... Um, correlates with what we would call an acid-base diet, balancing the acid versus the base within your diet. And I'll explain this a little bit more, okay, okay, just so people understand uh, the physiology of this um, kind of from a a higher level view. Um, 
so let's say I eat an apple. That apple will have maybe, um, depending on how big it is, right, maybe I might give it an index of three or an index of six, but that's going to be a base. So what that means is I'm going to eat that apple, I'm going to digest it in my stomach, it will be absorbed into the bloodstream. From the bloodstream, it will go into the liver. The liver will metabolize it. And metabolizing is really how our body will start to use those um, building blocks, if you will, or that energy or those molecules. When it is metabolizing, um, when there's metabolism happening in the liver, there are um, reactions that happen. And then you have kind of an end result. Mm -hmm. You've got a little bit of this left over. You have a remainder, yes. basically. Byproducts. Byproducts. Yep. You have these elements that are just there. Those elements are the things that are either acidic or basic. Okay. Okay. When they're acidic, that's your body has to find a buffer. So it, if you think of an acid, it has a negative after it, right? Negative, yep. negative, negative if you think of the periodic table of, of um, elements, then we need a basic. So a basic would be like calcium. A basic might be magnesium. A basic might be um, potassium. All of those have pluses after them. So we want those minerals in our diet so that we can counterbalance, you know, we can counter those negatives okay. in the byproducts. So... That apple was maybe three, if it was a small apple, right? The serving of meat that I had was nine. Okay. Okay, that was my piece of chicken that was on my plate. Yep. So really, I need two more vegetables, don't I? I? I mean, if I only had three, I need another one and then another one. So that would be six. And then I would be nine versus nine. And gotcha. I would be balanced out. That would be a balanced meal. Okay, so... Your meal plate might look like um, 15 minutes, if you think of the clock. It might be 15 minutes of your lean protein. And then you might have 45 minutes of fresh produce. Okay. And hopefully your produce is fresh. Hopefully it's not boiled. Hopefully it's not canned. Hopefully it's not frozen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, so so yeah. that so the, the boiled, canned... Um, kind of not fresh produce, uh, is it just taking away some of the nutritional properties that it has? Is that is that the case? Or yeah. does it change the, the composition and the way it's digested in terms of how acidic or how basic it is? No, it doesn't change the acidity of the base. No, okay. it doesn't change that. It's really just the loss of nutrients. Okay. It's whether it's nutrients lost through water or if it's canned, oftentimes there is sugar or... Salt added. Preservatives to keep, right. it, keep it good. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you really want the freshest that you can find. Um, and having this balance um, is, is key. This is the, um, how do I say? Your body will always maintain a pH that it can function at. Yes. For us, it's yep. somewhere between... Homeostasis, right? Exactly. Yep. All it's going to be somewhere between seven, seven point three, something like that. Now, 
it's not that it's going to change if we eat a cheeseburger and french fries. Yes. Okay. We're not going to all of a sudden drop down to 6.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we can't live there. So something has to happen in your body. Something drastic has to happen in order for your body to, to kick up the buffer. If you eat that cheeseburger and fries, oh my goodness, I need to find some buffer and I need to find it fast, right? Because I have to keep, your body has to keep that homeostasis. It has to find something somewhere. It has to find calcium, has to find potassium or magnesium. Okay. And the places it will usually look, muscle, joint, um, or bone. Yeah. Right? Which I makes mean, sense. So, yep. so if your bone is attacked, right, on the insides, you'll wind up with osteoporosis, and your bone will literally look like it is eaten away, is how it really presents. Um, arthritis. Yep. If it attaches, if it, if you, if your body is leaching minerals out of your joints, you'll wind up with craters and pits and things around your joints so that it's not smooth functioning like it had been. So that's that's kind of where the inflammation kind of plays back in, right? So you you intake all of these acidic foods and it needs a buffer, so it's taking away from the places that have those large stores of it. And over the course of your lifetime, if that happens over and over again it can lead to those chronic inflammatory diseases. You what will happen is you'll get pitting in yeah. your in your joint along your your joint surfaces and then that irregularity mm-hmm. of the surfaces and and motion and use that will create inflammation. Okay. So it's it's almost like a friction problem if yeah. you want to think of it from a mechanical standpoint. But the actual pitting itself and that it's eaten away just like with the osteoporosis so so i mean there's there's perks here right our our body manages this all without us even thinking about it sure so the question is how hard do we want to make it make it for our body yeah how how hard of a job do we really want to make this whole eating thing right do we do we want to make it I mean, do we want to make ourselves sick? Do yeah. I mean, if you have enough inflammation, if you're, are you causing inflammation by eating foods that you're sensitive to? I mean, what about somebody who is sensitive to wheat or someone who is sensitive to dairy? I mean, a third of the population is sensitive to dairy. But I don't think a lot of people really notice that always. Um, but just be, having a sensitivity to it will cause inflammation too. Um, make you ripe for infection. Okay. That's that's the other thing that um, lower pH can do. Even if your pH drops a little bit, or if you have certain areas um, of kind of localized lower pH or lower oxygen, those areas are ripe for infection. Okay. So you find people who wind up having chronic cases of bronchitis, they'll have bronchitis every year, or they'll get pneumonia every year. These are dangerous, dangerous um, conditions. Um, and I think, I think nutritional attention can help somebody um, very much who, have, um, who struggle with, with those types of repetitious type of illness. 
Um, so I guess kind of looking maybe at some of your, your treatment sessions with patients and things like that, someone comes in um, and you're kind of suggesting um, or teaching them about all of this as well. Um, what, I guess, tips are you giving them so that they can make all of this advice actionable other than just getting more vegetables? Is there anything else that goes into it? Like, um, what about all of, like, the su- I, the supplement industry is huge in the U.S., even though there's a lot of studies saying that it's, you know, not as effective as we might think it is and that we should be getting most of our nutrients through our food instead of taking all those vitamins and pill form and things like that. Um, what, I guess, so I guess what are you, are you maybe suggesting that your patients might be able to do in terms of putting this advice into action? I, I follow, um, or I, off, I, I offer food lists. Okay. Basically. Um, I have some handouts, uh, associated with the vitamin D cure book. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then also um, the work of Russell Jaffe. Uh, he's done research, and um, he has a food list. You can find it on cancerorg.com. Or okay. fight, yeah, fightcancer.com, um, I think, we can, we can dot put, org. I'll put that in the description for the okay. podcast. So there's a, a very good um, food list there, a food chart. Okay. And it actually shows um, different types of food, different food categories, and spanning from acidic to basic, and and the varying degrees, which I totally blew my mind. I was so excited when I saw it because it was what the vitamin D cure was talking about, but just kind of amped up and a little more specific. Sure. Um, even though the vitamin D cure has wonderful recipes, wonderful how-tos, and um, it really gives you step-by-step information. It's I liked it. It had enough information for the medical-minded person mm-hmm. or who has training that they could really sink their teeth into it. But then, at the end of the at the end of the topic, it really was easy for the lay person to know exactly what they needed to do. Okay. Um, so I offer I offer these lists um, help help with guidance. Um, like the naughty foods, you know, we kind of know the naughty foods, right? It's somewhere back in our minds, we know that we this probably understand. isn't good for us, right? Beer, yeast, wheat, processed wheat, um, uh, cocoa, fried foods, grilled foods. These are things that we've known for a long, long time. Um, anything that's cooked fast, yeah, right? Anything mm-hmm. that's cooked fast, you're going to find will um, likely have very unhealthy fat, probably unsaturated fats, um, or charring. Those are, those are just carcinogenic, plain mm. and simple. Um, I, don't think, I don't think people think about that all that much. You know, summer yeah. season comes around, and boy, it's a lot of grilling going on, yeah, right? that's right, so, especially in the Midwest. Right, so how do you cope with that? How do you mm-hmm. cope with your husband grilling? And you know that he's going to be doing a lot of that. You know, my thought is partake. Mm -hmm. This is just my approach. You have to live with people. But don't have seconds on that. Yep. You want to have extras of your fruits and vegetables, have your giant salad, 
have powerful alkaline foods, whether it's water chestnuts, lentils, sweet potatoes, uh, raspberries, pineapple, lemons, um, have powerful um, basic foods available okay. to you. Um, and when I say basic, people always get confused about this. They, they think, oh, but pineapple is acidic, right? There's all that acid in pineapple. It's citrus. I'm not talking about the fruit itself. Yeah. I'm talking about after the metabolizing that goes on in the liver, those byproducts, right? Yeah. Going back to our earlier conversation. So, um, but these are powerful foods that will fight inflammation. Pineapple. You have an acute ankle sprain, pineapple, right? It's yep. well known that it has powerful elements to decrease inflammation, but also from um, a pH standpoint will help you to it will help you to help your body keep in homeostasis easier sure because eating is a stress and people don't always think of that that way when you eat your insulin levels increase when your insulin levels increase your cortisol levels increase cortisol is your stress hormone mm -hmm. and um if you do that at night, if you eat after six at night, your insulin again will rise, your cortisol will rise, you will store that food as fat. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and as opposed to what would normally happen is in the evening time, your body's winding down and your cortisol levels drop and you feel sleepy. So you're ready to sleep. But that's how it, that's how influential hormones are in your body. It could either, you can have the choice of burning fat all night long by not snacking before bed, or if you snack before bed, you'll actually be storing fat all night long. So eating is a stress, make no mistake about it. The question is how, how, um, how easy can we make it on our body? Okay. Um, so I guess the last kind of topic I want to get in, into uh, the conversation with you is there's a lot of these like fad diets that always come up. Right now it seems to be like the keto diet is big. Um, are, those, are, are those kind of diets, those fad diets, does it really just come down to um, – those diets might help you create healthy habits for yourself to make it less stressful on your body when you are intaking food? Um, or is there something to be said um, for those diets being useful? Or is it only useful if you can adhere to those diets for long periods of time? What is your take on kind of those fad diets that seem to come in and out of popularity? Uh, good question. And I'm not an expert on all of them. Sure. But what I do know is that some of those diets are only really healthy for a short time. Okay. Okay, so you find a, a diet that's high protein, high fat. That is going to be something that, and, and no carbs or mm. very, very low carbs, that's, that is going to be a fat-burning type of diet. You're your body doesn't have the carbohydrates, so there's a different process that happens in your liver, and it will be very taxing for your liver okay. to go through that process 
um, and to live that way, basically. And there will be symptoms. You will feel the loss of carbohydrates. You'll yeah. have headaches. You'll feel low energy. Um, and that's something... So I would say that these are really, on an individual basis, something might be right for you and something just might not be right for you. Okay. Um, some people fast, right? There's, yep. there's fasting diets. Um, I think... I'm more a proponent of, mo- of, of moderation. Sure. Uh, and c- so can they help you break a bad habit? Everybody falls off the bandwagon. You know? Sure. Everybody does. Um, you, could, you could not eat sugar for months and months and months, and then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have that brownie. Yep. It's going to happen. And, and then the thing about sugar and the taste of it is that then you'll want it later on. Very addictive. You know, it is. It's a huge addictive quality. It totally gets to that gratification center in your brain. So, um, but the thing is, is if you, if you wean yourself off of those things or have them less often, if you, if you don't have the French fries, then, then you forget your brain wants a new, a new gratifier almost, or, or you can almost replace it if you will. Um, but sometimes that, that center, that pleasure center is still there. Yep. It's still there and it will always still be there. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just a proponent of moderation. I, uh, these other diets, they can have their place and, and, and some people have great success with them and feel wonderful. And, and I guess to each their own, Sure. right? Everybody's going to have their own sensitivities. But for me, if I was going to be eating that high, high protein, high fat diet, eating dairy and cheese would be a bad thing for me personally. Sure. Right. Because there are just sensitivities in my family and that will, I bet I would probably get sick. Sure. You know, just, I would develop some sinus infection or something like that from inflammation from the cheese. Sure. Just, um, so I think, um, a person really has to be aware of themselves. I think, Anytime that you're looking at changing your diet, it's a really good idea to do what we would call an elimination diet and do a week without processed flour. Do a week or two, something, a small, a short amount of time. But then you can actually see how you feel. You can see changes and it's so much more clear. And sometimes you only really need three to five days and maybe it clears up symptoms that you've had that you've just been living with and didn't think that it was really a problem. Sure. Um, so that's, I think, a great way to start if you're looking at maybe trying a new diet or something like that, is just saying, what's right for me? I'm, okay. I'm going to eliminate nuts. I'm going to eliminate whatever. You know, if there's something in your diet that you use all the time, Go without it for a few days. Go without it for five days. See what happens. And, and then say, oh, you know what? I'm fine. I can, I can have that, and I'm going to be safe. So I, I think that's a thoughtful, methodical way to go about sure. finding out what foods suit you and what foods don't suit you. Um, there, are, there are diets, too, specifically for people with gut problems like IBS, and those are, those are widely out there. Yep. So some of that, that's more 
more medically minded, I would say, and a person is going to be probably safer doing that. And potentially someone that might need to contact a nutritionist to yeah. figure out exactly mm-hmm. what they should be doing, right? Yep, coupled with a GI-type doctor, somebody who's going to kind of help piece things together, whether they've got small bowel or whatever kind of dysfunction. So, um, But those... There's a lot of people out there like that. There's a lot of IBS-type symptoms out there. So um, picking apart foods is, is key. Well, it's been very fascinating. Uh, we've gone 45 minutes, and it doesn't feel like it's been that long. So I'm going to let you go. Um, but if anybody's listening and uh, would like to learn more, you can definitely visit freedompt.com or uh, send in a contact form asking Uh, whatever questions you might have, and we can try to uh, pass those on or point you in the right direction of where to look. So um, thank you, Diane, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful day. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more. With four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin, more information at freedompt.com.